0: In your thinking, your ministry, your prayer life, your daily walk with your golden doodle, do you have some hot takes on what we could do better? I want to hear it all. I might even read your comments on the next episode. There are so many great podcasts out there. I want to do more of what The Living Church is here to do and less of what it's not. So, there are two things you can do to help. First, make sure you're following us from a podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Find us on the page and click follow. The second thing you can do is email me, Noel at livingchurch.org. Share with me a thing or two you've gotten from the podcast over the years. And if you want, include something we might do better. Help us stay not just a great podcast, but on mission. Follow us, email me, A-M-B-E-R-N-O-E-L at livingchurch.org. I can't wait to hear from you. The Living Church, Catholic, Evangelical, Ecumenical. Today's podcast episode is the story of a prayer. It's also the story of crises and trouble in the church. The history of this particular prayer from a troubled Britain and Europe over the centuries, Father Mark Michael argues, feels so keenly useful now. And its origins go back to King Egbert of England, but the heart of the prayer goes back to King David, to the psalmist, to one who has cried to God for help that only God can give. Father Mark is the editor of the Living Church and rector of St. Francis Church, Potomac, Maryland, and he reflects here. On this particular English prayer and its evolution, and especially on its central cry, Son of David, have mercy. Why is it that when we ask desperate help of God, we call his son, the Son of David? Father Mark unpacks this in his essay. And then, of course, what's left to do after talking about a prayer, but just to pray it.
1: Son of David, have mercy upon us. The introductory rubrics of the brief order of prayer called the supplication prescribe that it is to be used especially in times of war or of national anxiety or of disaster. It was nearly the last thing we prayed together as a congregation at St. Francis Church, where I serve, before our bishop suspended public gatherings for at least two weeks. We continue to pray it twice each day over the live stream from our chapel, uniting as best we can in the midst of the prescribed social distancing. As is often the case for liturgies composed for special need, The text of the supplication gathers up its contents from various places. There is a bit of Psalm 44 in it, and the historic forms contained Cranmer's translation of the collect from a serum votive mass, aptly titled For Those Troubled in Heart. The versicles and responses at the heart of the rite date back to a pontifical attributed to St. Egbert of York, an 8th-century prelate who was a student of the Venerable Bede's and a correspondent of Boniface, the Apostle of the Germans. Egberts was a time of relative peace and security for the English Church. He rebuilt York Minster on a grand style after a fire in 741 and founded a distinguished cathedral school. Alcuin, the finest scholar of the Carolingian age, trained there and used Egbert's model to found institutions all around continental Europe. Most of the pontifical surviving liturgies, though, seemed to come from the troubled centuries after Egbert's death. The Christians of the region then faced repeated attacks from the pagan northmen who destroyed many of their great monasteries and sacked Egbert's Cathedral multiple times. Though the supplication was associated with wartime in the Tudor period, its versicles and responses were first written for the pontifical's liturgy for the consecration of a church. The petitions are almost unrestrained for Anglican liturgy, full of emotional intensity and urgency. From our enemies, defend us, O Christ, they begin. Graciously behold our afflictions, the congregation replies. The final response is especially earnest, almost desperate. Graciously hear us, O Christ. Graciously hear us, O Lord Christ. Christ, in these prayers, is always very much the Lord the one who squares off against the power of evil with the full wisdom and strength of God. One versicle also uses his messianic title, Son of David, it pleads, have mercy upon us. Son of David is an unusual phrase in Western liturgy, but it is common in the Gospels where it sounds often from the lips of those with deep and persistent faith. The Canaanite woman calls Jesus son of David in her humble plea for her daughter's healing, his first in a foreign land. The blind man acclaims Jesus with the same title in the final miracle of St. Luke's Gospel, where his insight into the truth of things puts the quibbling Pharisees to shame. It is also the shout of the Palm Sunday crowds, Hosanna to the Son of David. This is creation's own inevitable song of praise, that even the stones must cry out in the presence of their Maker and King. The stones, you could say, still do proclaim it, There are a handful of Anglo-Saxon churches in northern England. They were consecrated using this liturgy over a millennium ago and are preserved largely intact from the depredations of the Northmen, the plague, and the Victorian remodelers. The churches in humble Yorkshire villages like Kirkhamerton and Appleton-le-Street are marked by dramatic square towers their thick stone walls pierced by a few small windows. The churches look like fortresses today and would have dominated the wattle huts clustered around them in a previous age. Here is the place of refuge, these churches proclaim, the fold where Israel's true shepherd gathers his own and bars the gate against the foe. Here is sanctuary for the fearful, where the weak and lowly may turn together to the Lord in the hour of need. He who defends his own shadows over us with his protecting hand. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. The diocese in which I serve was the first to close the door of its churches in the midst of the current pandemic. On the conference call with all her clergy, Bishop Marianne acknowledged that this step didn't really feel right to her and that she knew most of us would have the same intuition. The grocery store in our village is mobbed at the moment. The bank wouldn't think of closing with so many people worried about their investments, but the church is locked, and for the sake of the vulnerable, we must keep our distance. When we are afraid, and the future is uncertain, we want to be together. Before public worship was banned, we were told to take great care that the Eucharist not be used to spread contagion. The hem of Jesus' robe expelled disease, and his touch raised the dead to life. His blood can make the foulest clean. But so long as it retains the accidents of port, they tell us, it won't neutralize the coronavirus. Have mercy upon us, O son of David. We, the flock, still look to our shepherd and we bow low before the true King. The work of the Church continues over video conferencing platforms and cell phones. Some of us are still able to feed the hungry and to stand watch at the bedside, but all come face to face with an unaccustomed helplessness. Mostly we pray and wait, and we feel, perhaps, as our ancestors once did, huddling in the tower while the Northmen raged. Faith comes to life in moments like this, and God reaches down in ways we least expect. God wants to give us something, St. Augustine said, but he cannot because our hands are too full. At long last they are empty. We do not know what the future will hold, but we know that we are his, for now that is enough. We pray together the supplication, the form from the 1662 Book of Common Prayer. O Lord, deal not with us according to our sins neither reward us according to our iniquities. Let us pray. O God, merciful Father, that despises not the sighing of a contrite heart, nor the desire of such as be sorrowful, mercifully assist our prayers which we make before Thee in all our troubles and adversities, whensoever they oppress us, and graciously hear us, that those evils which the craft and subtlety of the devil or man worketh against us be brought to naught, and by the providence of thy goodness they may be dispersed, that we thy servants, being hurt by no persecutions, may evermore give thanks unto thee in thy holy church, through Jesus Christ our Lord. O Lord, arise, help us, and deliver us for thy name's sake. O God, we have heard with our ears, and our fathers have declared unto us the noble works that thou didst in their days and in the old time before them. O Lord, arise, help us, and deliver us for thine honour. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. From our enemies defend us, O Christ. Graciously look upon our afflictions. Pitifully behold the sorrows of our hearts. Mercifully forgive the sins of thy people. Favorably, with mercy, hear our prayers. O Son of David, have mercy upon us, both now and ever vouchsafe to hear us, O Christ. Graciously hear us, O Christ. Graciously hear us, O Lord Christ. O Lord, let thy mercy be showed upon us, as we do put our trust in thee. Let us pray. We humbly beseech Thee, O Father, mercifully to look upon our infirmities and for the glory of Thy name turn from us all those evils that we most righteously have deserved and grant that in all our troubles we may put our whole trust and confidence in Thy mercy and evermore serve thee in holiness and pureness of living to thy honor and glory through our only mediator and advocate, Jesus Christ our Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Living Church Podcast, a ministry of the Living Church Institute. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can find a link in the show notes that will allow you to give so we can continue to make these episodes. Look for more episodes coming soon on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts these days. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, our website, livingchurch.org, or on our award-winning blog, Covenant, at livingchurch.org forward slash covenant. I'm Amber Noel, your host. And I've been glad to be with you. Peace.